Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. off to re-jigger our uh, re what? We wasn't energy. Come on, man. We need some time off. I need some time off. The great, the great DA and the great Marcus Thompson definitely need time off. Need time off. I actually worked during my quote-unquote vacation writing four or five stories, so that tells you what how much time I took off, actually. That don't sound so, like vacation to me. No, it does not, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it does not. And yet it's going down as vacation time, as PTO. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So we're back. We're back on Hoops Adjacent. And we have our guy, Kelly Eco, the man who covers many teams now, not just the Rockets, but he will be covering many teams for us this year. We like that. We like that. But hey, we're going to talk hey, about the Rockets first and foremost. The coolest dude in the league. He posted an uh, uh, Instagram post. He just had a jersey laid out and it says Systems. I like number exactly. six, and I was like, "Hey, you, you didn't even have to say what it was." To, Everybody, hey, that, that, was, that, was all, that was my girl's idea. It was, it was, it was all her. So that's, that's I'm, I'm, I'm gonna roll with it. Ecosystems in the building. You know what Sir. I'm saying? He just drops us. He just his business card just says systems on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, man. <laughs> hey, it's an honor to be in, in the presence. I of, wish I had that much real way. legends. Damn. I, well, we well, used to have that, Marcus. Remember when we used to have that kind of swag? You remember that? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I wasn't making enough back then. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to have swag when you ain't making enough. <laughs> but you can fake it, though. You can fake yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You definitely can fake it. You definitely can fake it. <laughs> oh, man. So we're not going to go too long today because I had a root canal this morning and I'm not in a good mood. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man. Man, my face just stopped stopped numbing up a few minutes ago. So I'm uh-oh. I stopped man. drooling an hour ago. Wow. The came wore off. Oh my God. It hasn't gotten any better in 30 years. It's the same awful procedure. Yes. Oh man. But Kelly, man, we wanted to talk to you. Um your Rockets had a very, very eventful offseason. Man, right. they they total re restructuring and re you know, renewal and all that and change and everything yeah. from, from every aspect of it. But, um, you know, start with, I mean, obviously Ime is the biggest, was the biggest thing. Um, and you kind of knew what he was going to do, but kind of knew they were going to go for a big name coach. Um, but I'm fascinated by not just Van Vliet, but Van Vliet in combo with Thompson and, they already got Jalen Green. They already got KP Jr. So how are all four of them guys going to get burned next season? So when you look at, we'll start with Fred Van Vliet, obviously coming into the team as 
you know, that experience established veteran NBA point guard is a former NBA champion. You know, there's an understanding that he's going to bring that sense of control, sense of stability at the one. Then if you pair that with a guy in Jalen Green who is talented, he's he's already shown in his first two seasons what he's capable of. He's shown flashes of stardom at times, signs that he still needs to develop his game and other times. Now coming off a Team USA stint where they got him to play on the ball, off the ball, and see how, how he can work with Van Vliet. Now the understanding I have with Kevin Porter Jr. is that the Rockets know, and, and they kind of knew this bringing in, him into the situation, but he can play on and off the ball. Like he came in as a scorer, as a wing scorer, and they tried the, the whole thing of converting him to a point guard. You know, it, it, it had his ups and downs, but the good thing about that that whole stint was that it allowed him to get some reps on the ball. So even if he's not a quote-unquote traditional playmaker, he can, you know, create plays for others at times in a half-court setting. Amen Thompson, he kind of has to have the ball in his hand, just given how he plays. He's he's not a good shooter. He has to be able to facilitate and see the floor. So um, there are lineups that may feature, you know, three of those guys because Van Vliet, although he is a traditional uh, lead ball handler, he can also function off the ball, having seen him play alongside Pascal Siakam, alongside Scotty Barnes, you know, Gary Trent Jr., stuff like that. So you may see lineups with, you know, Fred, Jalen, and Kevin, just because of, you know, you know, Kevin was their best shooter last season. He may have stressed, you know, floor spacing and guys that can knock down outside shots. So the good thing about having those guys in your backcourt room is that you can mix and match certain things, given personnel, given matchups, and kind of see how to maximize the talent on the floor. I, I still don't understand what Fred Van Vliet was doing. What I mean, I guess obviously getting the most money possible, but I right. felt like he could have gotten money other places. Maybe not the full what forty four million dollars, but right. he would have gotten paid somewhere. Yeah. What What do you think he sees in Houston that makes him say? Yeah, I feel like I feel like doing this. Like I'm no, gonna get paid, no, but no, also no, no income like tax. Yeah, is that? But 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 the, but the truth is, um, I really think that he aligns himself with Emil Udoka and what he brings because, as you as you've known, covering him for a while in this league, Emil has that kind of draw effect on players where you kind of want you want to play for that guy, you want to run through a big wall for him, and Fred coming off a, a kind of a down year in Toronto looking for some mode of a, of a career reset, a different, a different, I guess, task. You know, he's already won an NBA championship. I don't think this is the generation of players that say they got to go win five, six, you know, seven titles. Like if, if you get your one or your two, you know, I think, I think a lot of players would be perfectly fine with that. So being out, being able to take on a new challenge and lead a, a young group of guys to, you know, hopefully the playoffs and, and afterwards, I think that's kind of what aligned with the Fred because on the surface, it does look pretty confusing. Like you're what 29, 30 years old, you're quote unquote in the prime of your career and you're going to a rebuilding project. So it it on the surface it looks kind of confusing, but when you dive into I guess the the belief system with EMA and and the whole project that they're building, it, it kind of makes more sense. Yeah, it, DA, I guess that money is, you know, uh I guess the only other player to leave the team. Yeah. And get a big deal as a guard anyway was uh looks like Bruce Brown's twenty two million. Everybody else yeah. was staying home and 
but to your but but it is i mean it is unusual most people go get the bag but you know houston was such a it was such a difficult rebuild it was a mess. such a it, it really is it's a mess right yeah. you know and boy i mean he could have maybe made 60% of what he's making in Houston and been on a contending team, you know, but right. look, they could have traded him too. So Toronto, look, they didn't trade him. Yes. Yeah, both sides of the coin. That's so what I'm saying like they should have traded him when they, when they had the opportunity to, they right. let him get the free agency. So that's on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I do understand once you let a guy walk, he's like, all right, let me go get this bag somewhere. Yeah. Um, But it's going to be, that's four, that's four dudes that need the rock, man. You know, yeah, and some and at some point you got to pass the ball to Jabari. You know what I'm saying? Like, for sure. It's, at some for point, sure. you know, yeah, and Jabari so, taking that rock. You see how he yeah. looks? He's snatching right. that rock. He's not right. waiting for nobody right. to get that rock. Tim. Right. Right. Get that. So there's a lot of dudes, a lot of mouths to feed there, and yeah. so I just wonder how that's going to work. I don't know, man. Like, I, we'll see. We'll see. They're very. They got talent. That's not the question I'm asking yeah. here. Got plenty of talent, but somebody's got to accept a role and those and yeah and i think that was the biggest problem over the last two three years although the rockets were operating in a state of chaos they were still yeah. amidst that chaos was a lack of i guess identity in terms of hierarchy you know who was going to be the alpha male was going to you know take the secondary role the batman role um you kind of saw that battle between Jalen green and kevin porter jr at times now with fred coming in you would assume he is the the, the quote-unquote guy in the clubhouse and then Who's coming after him? That's going to be the real question because, as you said, there's only one ball. There's a lot of guards that need the ball. There's a lot of, you know, wings and fours that want to get touches to. Dylan Brooks is also a guy that that has spoken to me about he's not coming in to just be a 3 and D guy. He wants to do more. And we've kind of seen him at the Olympics with, with, with the Canadian team being able to do more off the ball instead of just sitting in the corner. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how Emei puts all these pieces together. Now, if there's a guy that I think could do this in the NBA, it would be Ime because he's someone that's shown pretty clearly you have to get in line with him or you're going to be on the bench. So um, I do think, you know, there's going to be some system in place where the ball will move around, guys will get their touches in, and then things will fall into place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned the guy who might be the breakout year of them all. You know, the big man down no, low. I know. Uh, hmm. Based on how E-May plays and, you know, his, his penchant for defense. I mean, right. we've seen him with the center as kind of like the defensive enforcer, rebounder. Right. 
hub, but the ball is running on the wing, and he's got a lot of wing players. Is there is there a home in the in the uh, I don't want to say Ime uh, ecosystem, but in the Ime universe, is there a home for yeah. a post up big man who gets buckets and at any point could just kind of take over a game? I think so. I think uh, when you have and I think the Rockets have they made this shift internally where they're going to allow their young players to explore their games and they're not going to put them in boxes. So you have a guy in Shangun who, you know, isn't regarded as a good defender right now, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to like, they're going to surround him with good defenders to try and m- make things easier on him. And just because of how talented he's offensively, you you have to find a way to make that work. Right. So th- there are some schools of thought that that want to see Jabari gets some time as a small ball five just because of his size and his ability to switch on defense and Ime's propensity for guys that can guard different positions and space the floor. But at the same time, Jabari is not physically ready to be a long-term option at center, whereas Shangun is further along in that department. So I think for, for Houston, in order for them to find out what they really have, you still need time. You still need a training camp. You still need a preseason. You still need you know, some weeks and months into the regular season to figure out exactly what he has at his disposal. But right now, I still think there's definitely a home for Shangun in Houston. They have to find a way to make it work because in the last regime under Steven Silas, he, they didn't get the best out of him at times. They didn't put him in the best situation at times. Now you're coming into a whole new coaching staff. The thinking is that they'll be able to kind of pick up where, pick up the pieces of, of the last two years and really push this thing along forward. Man, how bad was it, Kelly? I, it was. I, it was awful. Hey, we not awful. we not about to uh, slander my, my homeboy, Steven. Oh, no, 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 no. This isn't it's, about. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not all on Steven. I'll no, ride was, with Steven Silas no, all day. No, no, for sure. Steven, I the, yeah, I love the guy. I love you Steven. Know. I love Steven. It, it, was, it was. It was bad, but it was bad though. Go it, ahead. it was. It was really bad. It was really bad. It was like they put him in bad positions. Like you give him a bunch of teenagers and say, "Coach him." You know, like what? Now, now, now. Granted, you know he could have done. A lot of things differently in terms of, you know, keeping things consistent, systems and some of the rotation and stuff. But overall, it was just it was a tornado. It, like you never knew what to expect on a game to game basis. The players didn't know what to expect. The coaching staff did. They were in over their heads. It was it was it was a hard thing to manage, you know, from an overhead standpoint. So I'd have to imagine from a player standpoint. I talked to players that were that built team. It was it was nuts. Like you just didn't know what to. It, like from a day-to-day basis, you never knew what you were going to get. So having moved from that to something where you think is now consistent, like you have a whole new coaching staff, you bring in four to five to six vets in the locker room to bring some adults into the room. Now there's the expectation that they can actually really reset the culture, establish some stability and kind of move things forward a little bit. I mean, I guess that's the difference between like building a program and having one, right? Right. Um, it feels like Steven Silas was trying to build one. Yeah. Right, with like sand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in that situation, you kind of just needed to have like, here's how we do things. Uh, and and right. and that was, if you remember, he thought he was going to get the job with, with you know, James Harden. and Russ and, and guys yeah. that have already been to the playoffs and yeah, were on the right. cusp of winning, but they just need a little bit of a, of a bump to get over the edge. So, he had to take what was given to him. You know, he tried his best for you know a number of years. It didn't, it didn't work out, and then they went their separate ways. 
Jeez, I forgot they got Cam Whitmore too. Right, right. Yeah, that's why I thought that the to me is what puts them over the, the team. Top. Yeah, yeah. No, It'll be no, the no. fewest assistant in NBA history. I have a one to three assist turnover. I think. I think the thing with. I think the thing with with, with Cam and Amon now that's different than you know their previous uh, rookies is that they don't have to be thrown to the fire. Whereas you saw guys like Jabari and Tari. They were just fed to the lions and they were forced to survive on their own. You know, Jalen and and LP, those, those guys were just, you know, go figure it out. Now you have guys that can help you along the way. So Cam doesn't have to come into a situation where he has to uh excel from day one or hit the ground running. He can learn, he can take his lumps, you know, we can spend some time between Houston, between Rio, you know, just kind of learn the, the lay of the land and kind of get things under his belt. So it, it, it's more of a smoothened out process, if you will. Okay, so he's going to play some G League then. I think so. I think I think just because you know, kind of similar to how it happened with Kenya Martin Jr., where mm-hmm. the the rotation is kind of stacked at his position. So, and you still need to get some game time. So, the, yeah. the easiest path and the benefit of that system is that they do a lot of things similar down there, you know, down in real with the Vipers as they did with the Rockets. So it allows you to learn that similar system under Coach Nick Burleson. Just have everything you know set similar to where. If you come back to Houston or come up to the Rockets, you know what to expect. You know what to do. Whereas you might be over a bit overwhelmed if you just, you know, saying, "Oh, go figure it out." It's gonna be there's gonna be an actual detailed process for for the development. I I mean, DA, it's been a long time since I've seen a roster that looks. I mean, it's the most get your money roster I've been seeing in a minute. I mean. Like some of these dudes, you're like, yo, why are you here? Like right. Uncle Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Green, like, what are you doing? Now, Jeff, that's the one. Doc I don't Londale, like that's what I don't want. That's the one. I understand Fred. Fred was like, just give me the bag. Fred, I just right, went yeah, the yeah. bag. <laughs> but Uncle Jeff, you got choices, bro. You're on the Jeff world champions. You know, Jeff, Remember, Jeff didn't he have, was he was there before. Jeff didn't he was there before in the bubble with him. So. He must really like Houston. I guess so. I mean, that, ain't that where is he? Is he? No, he's not from Houston. No, he's not from the. No, no, he's from up here. But it was just like, yeah, uh, like but oh. he has an affinity to Houston. I remember talking about him during the finals because he was rocking with uh Toby and Weegway, who's a right, yeah, Houston cat. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just somebody's just like, yo, what, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you here? <laughs> no, no, no income the, tax. I mean, in honor of ecosystems, this is the most go get your money team. <laughs> <laughs> it'll fit right in <laughs> that's crazy so uh, you mentioned hard marcus uh, so in retrospect uh, we didn't take we think that was just a bunch of bs we were hearing all for all their months about he was trying to get to houston no or, so so oh well how do you take it marcus no i'm cu- i was just curious like oh for oh for me well no, yeah, yeah, no for you, for he, you. Yeah, he yeah. legitimately you know, whenever they were trying to map out the next day of his, the next phase of his career, Houston is arguably the closest thing in his heart to probably California. Like he, this, this is his home. Like he has yeah. business here. He just yeah. finished his JH Town weekend in Houston. He does an annual right. weekend full of things for the kids. You know, a, a brunch for the women's organizations. He lo- this is his home. He has home. He has businesses here. His family right. is here. Right. That was a legitimate thing, but. The more and more that I guess the Rockets went down that path, it 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 occurred to them that James is the kind of player as talented as he is, everything has to be curtailed to his play yes. style for it to work. Whereas 
they surely like knew that, that. <laughs> and, and they knew no. that but you know the, just the whole emotional the return you know coming back a second chance whereas a guy like fred he he's adaptable he doesn't have to pound the ball for 48 minutes he can adapt off the ball he can move different sets stuff like that james is not going to do that right. at this point of his career he's not going to do that so you know it, it didn't make sense given you know the, the, the structure of the deal he wanted and stuff like that so they went a different path it, and do you think I, I believe this is true i hope it's true i wanted your thoughts that time is going to give like james harden those rockets like their proper due i think so i think maybe like five, 10 years down the line because, you know, you were there at the, at the epicenter of everything, Marcus. Like, those guys, if you talk about teams that gave the Warriors a run at their money, Listen, the Kelly, them you on, hear on the LeBron ropes. and you hear them talk now like, oh, they didn't have a chance for KD. With KD, you'd have a chance. You'd have a chance. Uh, Houston had the boys on the they had them on, on the ropes. ropes. Yeah, on so the ropes. Like, real tight. Yes. We watched 2018 and, and, you know, Cleveland get swept. And it's like, you have no chance. It was KD. Bro, they was just playing for their lives, yeah. begging for and Nick Young to hit open shots. They had, like, to, exactly. they had to go 0 for 26 yeah. on three. Yeah. Yeah. To to win. Yeah, like, I, I just feel like. Every man. three they took for a quarter before a half. <laughs> yeah. They were the only team that, that had the, I guess, the audacity to stand up to the Warriors. And, and that should get some credit in NBA history for sure, because, you know, that's a dynasty that a lot of teams, they just took their tails and ran, you know, and, and the Rockets and Daryl Moore to their credit, they they just didn't. They said, you know, we're going to stand up, we're going to fight. And, and you have to show us why you deserve to be in the NBA finals. And it took, you know, 27 missed free throws. I mean, 27 missed threes and some questionable calls, you know, and in some directions for that to happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, after the dust settles, you know, People can look back and say, you know, the Rockets tried and they gave it their all. They tried, man. I will never, never. I had my disagreements with Daryl Moore and some things, but he wasn't sure. afraid, man. <laughs> he wasn't afraid. He took it. I mean, he took his best shot. You can't. And like Marcus, we covered that series. There was about five or six times where I was like, uh, is it is that it. game six? That this game six at halftime? You thought it was it? <laughs> in, in, in Oakland? Yeah, I think they were I mean, like 12 or 13 and a half. Yeah. I mean, they were down in the first quarter game seven by 15, weren't they? Something like that. Yeah, That's yeah, as yeah. mad as I've ever seen Steve when I did the interview with him after after the first quarter of game seven in Houston. Yeah. yeah. He was so angry with this team. I've never seen him that angry before. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I they give just, Houston. They I just had a problem with finishing, but to me, it's like getting to the point. Where you you know where you be right there like that's yeah. as much as anybody did like, yeah. like pushing them pushing them teams to like the brink like that like that's nobody crazy. was doing it like remember even the uh, when they when Katie got hurt and they lost game six at home yeah and obviously Steph goes for thirty three in the second half and it's like insane right yeah but then they win just I mean swept. I mean, they, they spotted Portland 20 points every game. And it's, <laughs> and it's like that. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody else was yeah. pushing them like that. Yeah, like, no one else. That's tried. the part. Like you walked into any arena, except for like, obviously the OKC Thunder squad. Right. Then obviously LeBron 2016. But cap, outside yeah. of that, outside of those two times, it was always Houston that was pushing them like that. Like, yeah. 
to me, that's that's something. I mean, obviously, I we agree. judge everything yeah. by how you finish. They had a problem with finishing, but they was getting to the finishing points. Yeah, <laughs> the, what did the Warriors say about that in terms there. of like what was their like? Has Steph or Clay? Well, not Clay's kind of been open about that, but like just the overall Warriors angle of that quote unquote rivalry. I, I think they, I think they value. I think they gained a lot of respect. Yeah, they knew how they knew they would beat Houston. They just knew it would be difficult. Right. Where you hear when you hear them talking about whenever they talk about Cleveland, it's always about 2016. Like it's always about 2016, 2016, 2016. You forget they played them jokers four, right. <laughs> four or five. That's the only right? one they remember. Yeah, 2016. Like 2016, 2016. But I mean, just when we look at it in the Pantheon macro, a lot of teams had a had a shot a lot of teams yeah. had a shot the portland's had a shot you know the uh the san antonio's the memphis's had a shot like yeah but not they didn't make a them, shot they didn't put no fear into them i think yeah, Houston, but no that's what them. i'm saying like yeah, yeah, yeah. so when we look at this and i know Harden gets you know Harden gets whatever he deserves he gets everything he deserves but he also deserves that we remember like if one team had arguably the greatest team of all time on the brink. Yeah. It was his squad. It wasn't LeBron's squad. It was his squad that had them jokers. Like, I, man, there was a part at halftime where you could see them. They they fighting on the bench. They like, all right. Yeah, it was bickering. Like, it was it was, it was, it was bad. bad. Yo, it was, they was down bad. Like, they had to rally yeah. like, to the point where it was over. Yeah. I mean, Harden, it wasn't just hard, obviously. It's the PJ to me, that's the difference. The PJ Tucker type, right? And Reza and all them guys. Yeah, yeah some of those Mute, with them, yeah. But yeah, it was still built on hard. And I just wonder sometimes if I wonder if he'll ever get like the full credit for that because live it he was probably crazy. won't because of everything else that overshadows you know what he's done since in terms of this whole current fiasco in Philly. It's got to put a real scar over his his recent time but yeah like i guess 10 15 years from now whenever they do the documentary right you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna look back and see wow these guys actually deserve because they, they won six or seven games like it was that was a good team that yeah, was a very good, good team. team very good team for a while all right so let's 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 talk a little bit about um i i always think that y'all have a very interesting owner down there and a very immature, uh, I shouldn't say immature, a very impatient, that's the word I meant, a very yeah, impatient right. owner down there. Um, and I just wonder how much these moves this summer, whether it was Van Vliet or Ime, were more about the owner being impatient than the GM being impatient. So one term that ownership is like to use that's kind of trickled down to the whole entire organization is phase two, whereas phase mm. one of the rebuild was you know, collecting talent, trying right, to develop, right. see what they have, see what they don't have. And phase two is returning to the playoffs. So if you think about when the Fertitas purchased the team back in what 2017 for $2.2 billion, this was a team that had just come off of, you know, a pretty embarrassing um, playoff defeat, you know, to the San Antonio Spurs. So now stepping into that situation and, them, their first year, they win six, six, seven games. They push the Warriors to the brink of the NBA Finals. The next year, they're still competitive. You know, after that, they're still competitive in the bubble. Then going from that to two to three years of just chaos, that's not what he signed up for, right? So 
the Fertitas have always known success, right? And and their and their business yeah. expertise and their 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 commercial lives. So them getting email Doka, splashing the money and getting him going out and splashing the money and getting a, a Dylan Brooks and a Van Fleet. They had to pay a premium because you know you are coming from a rebuilding organization, but they're making those additions with the expectation that there's going to be some substantial improvement. Right. I don't think I don't think ownership is comfortable with them winning 20 something games ever again, just having seen what it looks like. It, it's really yeah. jarring to compare yeah. that to a team that was a quarter away from going to the NBA finals. Right. So over these next what two, three years or however long emails here, there's a certain level of expectation and assumption that they are going to be competitive. They are going to some point get back into the playoffs, whether it's the playing, whatever, but it's going to be, it should be a much better team than what we've seen the last two seasons. Kelly, you, uh, Mr. World Traveler, uh, if you had to pick a few spots that you want to check in on this year, like where what what's drawing the where's the ecosystem being drawn to around around Memphis here? Memphis I, 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 I want to see I just want to see how they how early the Marcus Smart effect takes place right well, you mm-hmm. know because they they don't have job for x amount of games and they're still expected to be a competitive team in the Western Conference I want to see you know if if he's able to come in and be that presence also how they look for the the loss of Dylan Brooks because that's a big loss defensively how they are able to mask that. You know, if Jaron Jackson Jr. takes that next step that we all expect him to take. The office of San Antonio, you know, we want to see the Wemby effect and how that how that kicks off. Um, but another team is Atlanta. I want to see, you know, that whole Trey Young, DeJounte Murray partnership. Is it really ever going to be more than just good on paper, right? Are they able to actually make some headway in the Eastern Conference? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of interesting stories. Look at Orlando Magic, you know, Paolo Bancaro's time with Team USA being able to kind of take another step in his development. Can he really keep that going, you know, into the regular season where you now think the Magic are pretty primed to make a, a big leap, right, and, and go from this team where they were huddling around the bottom five to now, can they make the plan? Are they a surprise team in the East? Are they a, you know, potential dark horse? There's so many, so many different places that I want to see um, – stories out of this year so looking forward to it you know what he doing da what's he doing he running around trying to find out who houston's next star is going to be because you know they're going because they're going to be coming up for the there, there is a phase three right yeah yeah out here recruit moby dick got to go get the big ball big fish <laughs> oh man brother oh, eco Yes, sir. Uh, before 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 yes. I get out of here, I I yes. gotta give you guys your flowers, please, because obviously we all know the the legend of of Da and Marcus Thompson, but the the stuff that you guys do for us on the without even knowing what you're doing is is super appreciated. So while I'm here, I want to give my thanks to you guys and just know that you know keep fighting a good fight for us. Man, I feel I feel honored, man. I know, Thank right? Got trying you know to get me all emotional, man. What you yeah. doing? <laughs> joking up over here. Come on, <laughs> man. <laughs> just read Kelly Eco. You're gonna be reading a lot of them this year. 
and it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I'm going to give me a systems jersey. Come on, man. Let me give yeah, on. come get you one. Yeah. A Nigerian systems jersey. Oh, come on, <laughs> man. Get my, like my Naija swag on. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. All right, y'all. Get that podcast on Spotify. On Eagle. What, what is it? Google Play? Where are we? Spotify? Every, every place you get that, that podcast. It's been a while since I did this, Marcus. I'm out of practice. So what do they have to do, Marcus? If they can't give us some five stars on the review. Keep it to yourself, you haters. But we're going to make you run with Kelly Eagle across the land. And you cannot can't hang with Kelly Eagle. Yeah. Well, run, run with Harden in Houston. Can't hang with Oh, you can't hang with <laughs> No chance. Now that's the documentary. <laughs> Kelly and James. <laughs> in the 713. What's going on? What was the uh the one night in Miami? We did the one night in, in Houston. <laughs> with, with with Kelly, James Harden. Who, who else we got? Jay Prince. <laughs> right? Right? Oh, I'm with God. it. I'm with it. That's that's the documentary. Let's get the right on.